Alright everyone, welcome to Brandon at Random Reviews. I am your host, Brandon Griffiths. Thank you for stopping by, I do appreciate it. If you like listening to a guy talk about one unsystematically chosen movie at a time in weekly episodes, then look no further. To keep up with the newest content, you can follow Brandon at Random Reviews on most major video and audio platforms, as well as most popular social media sites, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, all that stuff. And if you enjoy this, please like and subscribe or follow or whatever it is the platform you're experiencing this on does. Today's movie is The Black Phone, originally released on September 25th, 2021, with a wide release coming on June 24th, 2022, based on the 2004 short story of the same name by author Joe Hill, directed by Scott Derrickson, written by Scott Derrickson and C. Robert Cargill, produced by Jason Blue. Scott Derrickson and C. Robert Cargill. For the score, we have composer Mark Corvin. And for the cast, we have Ethan Hawke, who is the biggest name in this movie. You probably know him from like Training Day, and he was in the Before trilogy. If you haven't seen that one, check it out. It's three movies that are really like super ad-libbed. The script is very loose, and it's it's just very cool. It's a very realistic story, in my opinion. And he was also in Predestination. Mason Thames plays Finn Blake. Madeline McGraw plays Gwen Blake. Jeremy Davies plays Terrence Blake. And E. Roger Mitchell plays Detective Wright. For casting notes, Scott Derrickson took on directing this film after leaving Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness over creative differences. Auditions for some of the actors were held during the pandemic and took place over Zoom. Ethan Hawke was initially reluctant to accept a role as a scary villain because he didn't necessarily want to just be remembered for that kind of thing. But then he decided something along the lines of, you know what, I'm 50, maybe this could be the turn that my career takes, basically. For the plot synopsis, a kidnapper magician terrorizes a town in the late 70s. Alright guys, let's just dive right into the plot of this fucking movie. So, I was not a fan of the last two movies I covered, Megan and Smile, and they were both technically released in 2022 as well. I just, I had to go into this one with very low expectations just to protect myself because I didn't want to get hurt again. This one starts off at a baseball game, and it focuses on this pitcher who blows the game by giving up a homer. So I'm watching this and I'm gathering, I didn't look up anything about this movie before I watched it, but I figured out pretty quickly that it was a period piece. It's set in 1978. The brief opening baseball scene is interrupted by a missing person themed intro sequence, and they keep doing stuff with the camera to make it a little spookier, a little cooler. So our main character, Finney, is at home with his dad, Terrence, and sister, Gwen, and it's made very clear that his dad is definitely abusive. Also, I'm going to call Finney Finn because I like that better, and he gets called Finn a few times in this movie. There's this racially charged fight between two kids Finney's age. Basically, Finn and Gwen see this happen on their way to school, and they stop him watch the fight. One of the kids is this Hispanic guy named Robin, I guess. So later on at school, Finn is being harassed by bullies in the bathroom, and Robin shows up, and since they know Robin is not to be fucked with, they 
scurry away. Finn's sister Gwen is taken out of class and questioned by detectives about a dream she had where a man with black balloons kidnapped a child. And you just have to know if you've ever seen a movie and you're at all intuitive that this is obviously going to be relevant to the story. In the case that they're working, the police had found black balloons at the abduction scene of one of the kidnappings. That information wasn't made public and they didn't know what to make of the fact that the seemingly random innocent girl knew about that or had a dream about it. It's it, I would think that would be pretty questionable. So later on at home, their dad is beating Gwen with a belt because the police came to question him at work after talking to her and Finn walks in and he does and says nothing. It's pretty clear he knows the protocol here. He's not going to push his luck by, you know, trying to step in and and prevent this from happening to his sister. And this dad is just such a total charmer, obviously. So we see Robin out walking by himself and willingly approaching a van that someone is getting out of, but it fades to black before we see what happens. But the assumption is he at least got kidnapped. Finn and Gwen's dad gets a call for whatever reason, and he tells them that Robin presumably died, and it's not clear what the situation is or why the dad would get that call directly. Like, it, I don't know. It, it seemed a little odd, but maybe back when people were having landlines and there wasn't as much information readily available everywhere, they would just have, like, phone trees or something like that. The cops come to speak with Gwen again, and we just keep seeing missing child posters, before Finn gets his ass beat by the bullies that Robin defended him from. So Finn is in class and there's obviously this girl he likes and the teacher tells them to pick partners. And these were always rough moments for me in class, mostly because I didn't want to work with anybody. And on top of that, self-consciously, I was thinking like, oh fuck, these people don't want to work with me because they don't like me, which is, you know, it is what it is. And so all of a sudden, we see this guy, he's this magician, he has this van, and we've seen the van at least once before this, and it was just kind of in the background, but they made it a point that you, like, noticed it. The guy is Ethan Hawke, and this guy is a magician. He drops all of his stuff and asks Finn to help him out and, like, pick it up for him. And before he knows what's happening, Finn gets kidnapped by this guy that they call the Grabber. All of a sudden, now, the Grabber takes Finn to what appears to be his house, and he puts him in this, like, makeshift jail cell in the basement. He's wearing this spooky mask, and he's talking a lot more than I expected him to. I didn't even see any trailers for this movie, so maybe that would have been evident watching the trailer, but I did not pick up on the fact. Like, I thought it was going to be he's this silent guy, but, I mean, I guess it makes more sense. You get Ethan Hawke, you probably want him to talk a little bit. Basically, it's just this dimly lit basement room. News of Finn's disappearance makes its way back to the dad and Gwen. Finn realizes, like, he picks up on how the grabber is acting. He thinks that he's, like, on edge, 
And he uses this opportunity to tell him that like, hey man, if you let me go, I won't tell anybody who or where you are. And this just kind of pisses the grabber off. Thus far, the grabber is kind of creepy, but all of the talking that he is doing is having like the opposite effect I think the filmmakers were hoping for. I just don't, I find it like it humanizes him too much. So someone seemingly the same age as Finn calls him on the phone in this basement room, the black phone, copyright 2022, and appears to be an ally. And he's trying to tell Finn what to do and what not to do to get out of the situation. And as Finn is talking on the phone, the kid he's talking to appears like a beaten up ghost or something and is mouthing along with what he's saying to Finn on the phone and Finn is able to figure out that he is basically this paper boy that went missing however long ago named Billy and this movie is a lot less annoying than Smile and Megan in some ways but it still has like those jump scare moments that I hate but far far fewer of them like only a couple throughout the movie and it's just I I can't stress this enough a startle is not a scare. If I make you jump, but you're not like, it's not a sense of horror. It's just, oh, I didn't expect that. You know, there, there is a difference. So anywho, Finn is now attempting to escape from his basement jail that he's in, and chances are much better for him succeeding, given the fact that there's a bunch of random shit in this basement that he has access to, and he manages to dislodge the grate covering the high up window that is in his room. And we're left wondering what will happen next because he kind of like falls down after he gets the grate loose, but like you don't know where it goes from there. Finn and Gwen's dad, Terrence, is played by actor Jeremy Davies, and he's not in a ton of stuff, but he was in It's Kind of a Funny Story, Connective Tissue, motherfucker. I haven't done the Connective Tissue. I was just doing the previously covered on this podcast, but I love the Connective Tissue, motherfucker. So the police are looking for the missing kids, and they're going door to door, and they're invited inside by an enthusiastic lunatic named Max who has been following the kidnapping stories and has developed these theories about them. The police are very dismissive of Max's attempts to help them crack their case open and Finn has still not escaped and the grabber comes to visit him and the more he talks the less scary I find this fucking grabber guy. And why the fuck does this holding cell that Finn is in have a phone in it? And what are the chances that this isn't some game that the grabber is playing with these phone calls somehow? It's very confusing. I don't I don't really understand that element of the plot. And it's like obviously like a central element. Also, whenever I say the grabber, I think of the Arrested Development episode when Joe pitches a Mr. Banana Grabber mascot for their frozen banana stand. So I should mention that in addition to the phone calls, Finn keeps having spooky things going on around him, like this body that's floating, that's dripping blood all over. And it's kind of creepy, truth be told. And this kid on the phone gives Finn instructions on how to get out of the room and what possible combinations will have to be used to disengage a bike lock that is holding this door to the outside closed. 
The grabber is just chilling asleep in an ordinary kitchen chair facing the basement door that Finn has to come through to find the bike lock and he tries the lock and the suspense is building because the grabber is like literally right there and it's like he has to be quiet but he has to try all of these combinations and shit. It's kind of fucking crazy. So Finn gets out and the grabber chases him down and catches him almost immediately and it's at this point that I must mention that this grabber guy is a bit of a dumb fuck. Like, I'm not sure why he isn't going to greater lengths to secure the premises, honestly. Like, he clearly recognizes that he doesn't have enough shit on lockdown because he's sleeping in the fucking kitchen in a chair so he can catch this kid trying to escape. So Gwen keeps having dreams and fucking laying into Jesus. Like, she's been praying for her brother to come home and she's like cussing out Jesus at one point because she's just not fucking in a good place. Finn gets another call from a different kid and their physical forms keep appearing in the room while he's talking but it's often not clear if Finn can even see them because he doesn't look their way it seems like he's talking on the phone and it's like the ghost or whatever will be behind him and the ghost will be mouthing the words that that the kid on the phone is saying. And so you know it's that kid. It's very obvious that the dreams, the visions that Gwen is having, they're going to help with figuring out where Finn is. And I'm not sure what to make of all of this. Like, all of this stuff's happening. And it's like, I I feel like maybe my capacity to feel fear by most conventional horror movies these days is gone. I just, I don't care. Now Finn is working on yet another escape where he has to break through a wall and use a part from a toilet's flush valve ball cock assembly. Yeah, that's right. It's called a ball cock, that bulb whatever you want to call it, that's in a lot of toilets. They're not as common now. Anyway, I'm getting sidetracked. Finn is not successful and begins crying until he's interrupted by a phone call from his late friend, Robin. I really don't like this thing that they keep doing with showing the fucking kids on the phone. Like, they're in the room, and it's legitimately taking away from what might otherwise be a good, suspenseful moment. It's just like, there's nothing that scary there, because you don't feel like Finn is seeing them so it's like he he's not reacting to them and there's no intensity there Gwen goes to find a detective and we see that Max guy snorting fat rails of white lightning off his coffee table and suddenly Max has figured out Finn's location and arrives there only to be immediately killed by the grabber and meanwhile the police go to what they think is the wrong house but they check out the basement just to be sure and find that this is likely where the missing kids have been buried like they can just tell by looking at the the ground the the floor in the basement so not for nothing but I literally just realized at this point in the movie and we're in like the 11th hour of this movie that the phone in Finn's basement cell or whatever is the titular black phone like it took me that long to be like oh yeah right this is called the black phone and now all of a sudden he's like strangling the grabber with this fucking phone phone cord you're thinking like sure like there was one false alarm with him trying to escape before but like you think I can't 
possibly believe that this is actually going to be what does this guy in, like that he doesn't get a second wind or anything. And it all feels too easy. Like Finn is getting out, but he's seemingly like in no rush. Like the dog, like the grabber's dog is there and he's like vicious or whatever. And Finn just happens to like find this like steak, like this uncooked steak or whatever it is. And he just, he faces off with the dog and he just throws the steak and the dog just walks over and is preoccupied with the steak. And then Finn walks upstairs and he doesn't even like hustle. Like he's not even hurrying. He's just like, oh yeah, I done it. You know, I mean, it's like, are you fucking kidding me, dude? Like this guy literally almost killed you. I don't care if paramedics pronounced him dead. I want to be out of that house as quickly as fucking possible. Basically, this movie is just fucking over. Everybody's happy. There there are a lot of elements introduced that it's like, they're not bad ideas. I just don't think they come together very well. And I don't think it's very clear what a lot of this stuff is that's going on. There, There are things like, like the Max thing. Basically, that entire portion of this story could have been cut. Like, that guy could have just not been in this movie and nothing changes, essentially. Because the cops didn't want his help. If the cops had wanted his help and there had been a showdown where Max and the cops went there, it would have been different. Praise for this movie. I did like the vibe of this movie. I liked that it was filtered in a 70s-ish way to give it a cooler look, a more vintage-type film-looking look as opposed to digital. And the child acting was actually pretty decent, not like five-star or something, but it was it was solid. So criticism, there was not much to this movie at all. Like, it could have been cut down, like, even more than what I mentioned. It could be cut down to under 90 minutes, and it would still feel even shorter than what you cut it down to because the substance of this movie is lacking so hard. The fantasy elements of this movie were pretty poorly executed across the board and didn't provide any of the scares that they needed to. Like, basically, the grabber guy is not a scary villain, in my opinion. He doesn't come off as terrifying or, like, someone that I'd be worried about. Like, I don't know. And this was a waste of a perfectly good Ethan Hawke, and it seems like they only cast him to just kind of be able to put his name on the posters and add credibility to the film. So only a little bit of trivia. The Grabber was originally a clown in the short story by Joe Hill, but because of comparisons to Stephen King's Pennywise clown from It, which had recently been readapted to film, they elected to change him to a magician. And I gotta say, like, it's, I find it really funny because it's like Joe Hill being Stephen King's son, he chose to use a pen name that is not his birth name. So he doesn't, he's not Joe King or something. And so it's almost like he doesn't want to be associated with his father, but literally anybody you talk to that has heard of Joe Hill is probably aware of the fact that he is Stephen King's son. And then like for him to make this like kidnapper story that features a clown only, you know, to be changed for this movie, I I, I find it iffy at best. So because of the unexpected popularity of the early screenings of this film, the release was delayed from January 2022 to June 2022. All right, so on to info and ratings, we have a runtime of 103 minutes. This movie is rated R by the Motion Picture Association of America. Budget, 18 million. 
Opening weekend, $23.6 million. Worldwide gross, $161.4 million. IMDb rating, 6.9. Rotten Tomato Critics Score, 82%. Rotten Tomato Audience Score, 88%. Personal rating, 2 out of 5 stars. I don't know. I, I wasn't... I, I don't need to ever see this again. It wasn't even like I could see where somebody would, would really think it was that scary. And I, I don't understand why this, this got to be like kind of a sleeper hit. But that is it for today. If you like my reviews, like, follow, subscribe, whatever you got to do, whatever platform you're on. That way you can get the most recent updates and everything. I appreciate you guys tuning in and have a good rest of your day. Bye now. <laughs>